Hello, and welcome to podcast number four of the Midnight Triangle. I'm Marco, and tonight you're going to hear one long excerpt from a discussion I had with my two co-hosts, Fred and Donna, on May 13th, 2022. We talked about whether capitalism works, whether it's equitable, is it moral, and to what extent can taxes soften any inequitable distribution of wealth as a result. If you have any comments, please feel free to email us at themidnighttriangle at gmail.com. Enjoy. Thinking what I was thinking of talking about tonight, which was capitalism and whether capitalism works and whether it leads to immoral or unjust results in some ways. And I'll start by throwing something out, and then Fred and Donna, you can attack. You're going to throw something out. I'd like to throw capitalism out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That was funny. I think capitalism works because it creates competition at every level. When, When I have... I'm an accountant. I've I've had my own accounting practice. If I didn't do a good job, my clients would go to another accounting practice. If my employees didn't do a good job, I would fire them and get other employees. At every level, and that's just one small example. I mean, maybe an exception to that would be a teacher who gets tenure and then gets lazy. I don't know. But avoiding that subject. I don't know either. (laughs) It just creates competition at every level. If if you don't have competition, then I think human nature largely is not everybody, but largely is people slack off. If you know the boss is away for the day, uh, if your company doesn't have to do well, if you don't I would have to- disagree that it's human nature. I think it's human nature for some people. For some people, but I think it's a big enough segment of of the population that it's a major factor you know i think a lot of people take pride in their work and uh, what they're doing now if a system beats them down so much it devalues them so much that they feel hopeless about it that they feel that no matter what they do it's not going to make any difference then that might be true but if people have a chance to realize themselves uh and feel that they are valued and making a contribution, they want to. You know, if if everyone were too lazy, no one would volunteer. Uh, No, I think a lot of people do derive satisfaction from their their work, their input, their role, what they're doing, what they're contributing. Uh, I am not that cynical about people. I don't want to put words into your mouth and say cynical, but I'm not that down on people. I agree with you, Fred, but I think there is such a large component of society that doesn't feel that way, that would take the easy road, the easy route, that you need capitalism to keep a fire lit under to, under them to keep them performing. And uh, <clears throat> I would use examples such as anytime you have to deal with the government, anytime I have to deal with the government, I go, oh, no. It's just this big bureaucratic monolith of people who are just, many of them 
are just tired of their jobs and just can't wait for their 20 year years to pass so they can get their retirement check. That's how the impression that falls on me every time I have to deal with the government. I seem to recall in the Soviet Union back when it was much more communist than it is now, you had to wait 20 years to get a phone line because there was no competition. Nobody cared. Uh, I'm just throwing out those two examples, but Donna, any comments, Fred, any comments? I think you started the conversation in a very simplistic way. The first thing I would add is that I believe that regulated uh, capitalism is a good thing. I don't believe that totally unregulated capitalism is good or moral because it is too easy. And I don't know if that's a function of choices that our country has made or other countries where capitalism is the economic mode of existence, but it is too easy for individuals to accumulate too much power. And the intended nature of competition gets thrown out or gets lost. Uh, that's an important point that with too much money driven power that actually stifles the touted idea of free competition. And Donna and Fred, do you think that the system we have in the United States where there is well, some people would say an awful lot of regulation and other people would say not enough. But would you say we have regulated capitalism as, as, as you suggested, Donna? I think we have regulated capitalism, as you imagined. I don't think it's regulated enough. Where would you regulate more and where would you regulate less if, if it were up to you? Well, I would certainly prefer a return to regulations in the in the area of environmental protections pure okay. capitalism makes it worth it for companies to be terrible polluters and terrible destroyers of the environment the fact that the free market rewards that doesn't make it right yeah uh, I, I I'm gonna jump on and say I totally agree with you because it's cheaper to to pollute the river than, as an example, or the air, than to not pollute it. And so I absolutely think that regulation in the, in the environmental area is, is really important, is paramount. But <clears throat> in terms Another of- side of regulation that I can imagine, I don't know if this is purely a comment about capitalism or where taxation fits in the theory of capitalism. But I do think that we need to have much higher tax rates at the very highest ends of the income spectrum. And how high would you go? I don't have a figure in mind at the moment, but I don't think that, for instance, Elon Musk would stop doing what he's doing just because his marginal tax rate were significantly higher. Okay. So I think a, a very hefty marginal tax rate above a certain income level is appropriate. 
So hefty would be more than 50%, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. I and think that in the 40s or 50s, maybe the 1950s, maybe even into the 60s, it was, it was not the highest nominal tax rate. Of course, no one paid it. I think the nominal tax rate, could it have been 92%? Uh, but I, I think it could be keyed better to income. And then, of course, there's the whole idea, which some other countries have, uh, especially in Europe, about a wealth tax, uh, not an income tax. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I, that's, that's a change that, from my perspective, needs to be there as well. There's something amiss when the investor class pays less taxes than the working class. That's that kind of summarizes the whole issue. Uh, and yes, the correct word on this indeed, when, you know, the wealthy class pays less than, you know, the working class, the people who are actually doing the work day to day and producing the wealth that others derive benefit from both uh, financially and then again in taxes. Uh, and the evidence is very simple. I never remember the figures because it is so astronomically divergent that it's, you know, hard to believe that, you know, the top 1% earn as much as so-and-so, you know, the bottom, whatever, 60% or something, the top 10%, I don't know, whatever the figures are, but you know what I'm talking about, a great disparity in wealth. Uh, I think the capitalist system provides certain people uh, with the wherewithal to arrogate to themselves a disproportionate disproportionate amount or part of the wealth of the whole country that is the birthright, I would say, of the entire population, not just an anointed few. So I'm probably more on the center or to the right on this one. I kind of feel if, if you work for the money, you work for it and it's yours. And as it is- yeah, you, you, think the, you think the billionaires are working for their money. You, you think they're working a billion times as much as someone who earns a dollar an hour. They're, they're a billion times as productive. They're earning all that money, right? In a legitimate way. I don't think so. Uh, Marco, can you address specifically the question of the different taxation on investment and yes. wages? I was gonna get to that, I was gonna get to that. But I did want to say that as we as it stands now, the f maximum federal tax rate. Do you guys know what it is? For, I think it's 30, is it thirty eight percent? Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Okay. It's thirty seven percent. Far too. And then much. that's separate from any state or local tax. Right. Uh, unless he's wealthy <laughs> enough to have lawyers and accountants weasel out of things and find loophole, loopholes that were created by the wealthy people. Well, first of all, you have to be wealthy or derive wealth from contributions to get into a lawmaking position. And then when you're there, guess whom you're there for? You're there to support yourself and your kind and pass laws that you know, contribute to and indeed magnify the disparities that capitalism already has built into it. <clears throat> All right. So I think 37%, it's more than a third. It's kind of high. It's not 90%, but it's kind of high. And the tax, uh, the tax brackets are progressive. The lowest tax bracket is 10%. 
And interestingly, the, the bottom 50%, guess how much they pay in income tax? You know, 10% can be a lot harder on a really poor person than 37% can be on a really wealthy person. The really wealthy person is not going to have to change his or her lifestyle, uh, but a poor person who's actually yielding 10% of their income, um, you, you know, you keep hearing about people who have to decide between medication and mm, nutritious food and rent. Well, those, those aren't taxes. Those are other things. And, and that's a, another very valid topic. But the no, bottom... No, I'm, no, I'm, talk, I'm talking about they're paying such a small percentage, only 10%. Well, 10% of $100 is a lot more than 30%. You're left with a lot less than 37% on a billion dollars or even a million. Well, but 37% is getting close to four times as much. So they are paying a lot more percentage-wise, not just in volume. Right, but, but the bottom, I think the bottom, point is, is a relevant one, is a relevant one, not an irrelevant well, one. Well, the, the bottom 50%. It is, it, is, it, is a regret, it is a progressive tax structure, but that doesn't address the disparate impact of the tax bite at different levels. But go ahead, Marco. I, I want to hear what you, your statistic. The bottom 50% pay no income tax because there's an earned income credit, there's child care credit, there's having a child credit. So which bottom 50% are you talking about? Of income earners. So the, the 50% that earns the least. Yep. Don't pay income tax. They just pay what's called payroll taxes. That goes to their Social Security and Medicare. Mm -hmm. But they don't pay any income tax. And... It's because if you have, if you ha if you're married, your, your standard deduction right off the bat is in the range of twenty five thousand, and if you have one child, then you get a two thousand two thousand dollar tax credit, and you'd have to earn uh, twenty thousand dollars at a ten percent tax rate to get to two thousand. So right there, if you're married, filing joint with one kid. The first forty-five thousand isn't taxed. Twenty-five thousand is your standard deduction, and the, the twenty thousand left over of income, taxed at ten percent, is wiped out by the child tax credit of two thousand dollars. But so, that circles back to what Fred was getting at, Marco. Do you know um, what the typical family of three, what kind of standard of living they have if their income is forty-five thousand dollars? Well, to, to rent an appropriate apartment, are they able to to meet their nutritional needs? Well, if they aren't, it's certainly not the fault of the tax system, which is taxing them at zero. And that's that's as low as you can go. So I would not necessarily agree with that. It could be the fault of the tax system if it's not taxing the people at the upper end enough to provide government programs to take up the slack. You know, I think it's entirely appropriate that those who derive the greatest benefit from the wealth of the nation um, pay a, an appropriate amount consonant with the 
disproportionate, uh, disproportionate amount of wealth that the system has allowed them to accumulate. And well, again, they're not doing it by the sweat of their brow by any means at that level. Well, first of all, if, if a family of three, which would be theoretically two spouses and a, and a child, would pay zero tax, income tax on 45000 then anyone who pays more is paying infinitely more as a percentage. But forgetting about that uh, and, and avoiding the subject of infinity, which we'll come yeah, back to another day, I'm sure. You better do that, exactly. Uh, even if they paid something because they earned more than 45000 they would just start at the 10% bracket. And I think that covers the first $20,000 of, of actual income. And... And here the people at the top are paying 37%. That's close to four times as much. Uh, to but me, they're, that's, they're that's, earning far more than four times as much. Yeah, but but they're earning it. So it's theirs. They made that money. Why we, should... we need to define earning. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, could you do me a favor and put the word earning in quotation marks? Yeah. Is somebody who is who who accumulated an enormous amount of capital, or perhaps inherited an enormous amount of capital, has it all invested, and is simply living off the interest of their investments? Do you really think that they're earning their money? The yeah, there's a difference between earning and getting. They're getting the money. That doesn't mean they're earning the money. All right. Well, that's true, what the examples you gave. But on the other hand, at, taken as a whole, most people who earn money off their interest in dividends made that money somehow in the first place. Oh, did they? Really? I, I suspect a lot of them inherited it. I was going to say, if you look at intergenerational wealth, I think uh, that will contradict what you just said. Well... Uh, if they're, you know, there are a few self-made people. If their father earned it, then, then th why shouldn't they reap the benefit of it? Don't you want your wealth to help your family? How about if their mother earned it? You mentioned the father. Does it apply also if the mother nope. earned it? No, it doesn't apply to women. It doesn't apply to women. <laughs> okay, know, very good. We only invited Donna onto this as a token woman in the first place. You know that. Of course. Right? Yes, of I course. know that. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not even the token uterus, though. <laughs> uh, but, good thing Marco uh, can do some editing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to pass wealth on to one's children being a motivator, which is okay, what I think. Right, 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 okay. uh, agreed, but just don't confuse that with earning it. I was going to say that isn't the same as the person who inherited it earning the money simply because they were born into the right family. Mm -hmm. They earned it. And I think that there needs to be different treatment of wealth that transfers between generations. 
So I think that you two are harping on largely the exception. I think most of the people who have a lot of money, either they earned it or their father or mother earned it. And, and that's pretty close. You know, that's all part of the same family. And as Donna said, yes, if you have the luck to be born into such a family, then you are born with a proverbial silver spoon in your mouth. And, you know, you sit back and... But the vast majority of people who are getting large W-2s are, it's because that's their personal efforts one way or another generated that. But that brings up another question, Marco. Do you really think that CEOs who earn, you know, $10 million a year are working whatever the right percentages are to, to make the math work? Are they working that much harder than the people who work for their company who are the ones who are actually producing the wealth? You know, Donna, that's a very interesting question. And I always wondered why some people get themselves into these jobs that pay millions of dollars. I accumulated wealth, but I did it through my own projects, my own business, my own personal investments, whatever the case was. Mm -hmm. uh, I never got a job where my W-2 was in the millions. Mm -hmm. So I don't. That's a very good, I always thought about that, why some people can manipulate others to pay them so much. It's, it's partly because of capitalism, right? It's, oh, it, now, it, it, it's what the market will bear. And, now, and the board of directors will say, well, we have to pay our CEO that much because that's what the other companies are paying. All right. Now, you, yeah, you, you mentioned manipulating people. I, I would extend it to manipulating the system. Well, yeah, but not necessarily in a bad way. Manipulates kind of, to me, has a negative undertone. It does indeed. Okay, but I don't know that that's bad. If, if you can get someone to pay you millions of dollars, more power to you. Like, how wonderful that is some people are making all that money. It's, it's only wonderful if you're completely comfortable with separating the idea of wages from effort or productivity. It, 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 it strikes me. Go ahead, Fred. No, it strikes me that there's something profoundly wrong in that last statement by Marco. I can't at the moment put my finger on it completely, that it's wonderful if you can, I don't know, get people, manipulate people, whatever word you want to use, to pay you a an inequitable, compared to other people, amount, that that's wonderful. There's something wrong with that. I, I don't know what it is at the moment yet. Something Donna, wrong with that. Donna, don't you think it's wonderful that some people make so much money? No, I don't. Why not? I don't think, using the example that I that I started with, and Perhaps I'm biased because I spent my working life in corporate America, so I saw that a lot. I don't think CEOs deserve the multiple of income of wages that they make compared to the people who work for the company. So no, I don't think it's great. I think there's something very wrong in the marketplace where 
corporate wages at the top of the scale continue to go up dramatically because that's just what the market will bear. Well, you would think, Donna, and I don't know the answer to this, that if you're paying CEO John Smith $50 million a year mm-hmm. and another pretty good CEO comes by and says, I'll take $40 million, and another one come, comes by and says, I'll take $30 million, that it would be a race back down. And I don't know why. No, it, it, doesn't. it doesn't work that way because there's also um, a, a twisted element of ego in it that if our CEO will work for $30 million, they must not be as good as someone who would demand $50 million. But we're talking about the upper echelons of capitalism and you would think that they would be very savvy about money. So I, I, it is a little bit of a mystery to me. Well, they are. And that's one of the, that's the thing I wanted to bring up just a couple of minutes ago. Um, it ties into the unfair advantages that accumulated wealth provides. And this is specifically the area that I worked in. People who are earning at the very high end of the wage scale in corporate America are offered opportunities to defer, which ultimately amounts to avoiding taxes that are not available to people at other parts of the income scale. Well, that comes back down to what I believe is Warren Buffett said, why does he pay tax at a lower tax rate than his secretary does? Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is that long-term capital gains and qualified dividends are taxed at a maximum of 20%. There is a net investment income tax of 3.8%, so it gets closer to 24%, Mm -hmm. but that's still lower than the 37%. But it's more than it's more than just that, Marco. It's the tax deferment opportunities that are there as well, right? Deferred compensation at the upper end I, of the pay scale is a very common thing, which allows right. people you to know, there manipulate are, the tax system. There are pretty firm limits on deferred compensation in traditional pension plans, but what what they can do is they can offer them these these stock options and. They vest over a certain period of time. And, but that's often tied to bonuses where if, if the company does well and the stock goes up, they make more money. So I think you may be no- underestimating the availability and magnitude of deferred compensation. Um, companies can decide to give up the benefits that come from. The ERISA rules, I think, are the right rules here that limit the amount of deferred compensation they can offer to their highest paid employees. They can choose to do that. Well, at the end of the day, if if you don't get the money and you're not taxed on it, but if you get the money, you are taxed on it. So, right, you get, you get it at a point when you can control how much you're going to pay, when you're going to pay it, and I think that that part of the structure generally benefits the people who are able to take advantage of it. Well, once you leave the the pension plan rules, then 
you can pay someone deferred compensation, but there's no tax advantage to it. The only tax advantage is to get comp- compensation taxed at the low, the lower long-term capital gains rates, which again are 20% maximum. And then there's a net investment income tax, which could apply or could not apply of 3.8%. And that's certainly lower than the 37%. And I think they, they find ways of doing that with stock options. Well, Um, Marco, I've been out of, out of my field of employment for a while now, but one of the last things that I was doing was explaining the various deferred compensation plans to executives who were, you know, newly eligible for it. And my memory, and it's possible that I'm misremembering it, but my memory is that it's hugely valuable. I think you. I, I'm not you, denying you, that. I'm just saying that. Are we, are we talking about uh, tax advantage? Or are we just talking about? high compensation in the first place because specifically tax, right now I was talking about tax advantage on the tax side. It's pretty much if it's beyond the pension plan rules, when you get the money, you're taxed on it. But I think what they're trying to do, as I said before, is, is have things taxed at the lower long-term capital gains rate that as an example, carried interest is one of those things mm-hmm. where investment bankers will get their income in the form of long-term capital gains and a new special rule got, thrown into place a couple of years ago that they have to wait three years instead of the traditional a year and a day for, for to get the long-term capital gains rates. But in any case, I think that's what they try to do once you're past the traditional benefits of pension plan goals. But, but back to that, that discussion, should long-term capital gains and qualified dividends be taxed at lower rates to, to, uh, incentivize people to save and invest? You can, you have the luxury of saving and investing only if you have a surfeit of money, an excess of money to save and invest. And if you don't have that, it's moot, although that is probably a misuse of the word moot. Actually, people use that word to mean it's not subject to discussion, but the actual meaning of the word is that it is subject to discussion and subject to thought because you're not prepared to talk about it. But you know what? You've been talking about the upper end of hiring and income. Um, I have, while you were talking, I've been deliberating as to whether I should bring this up, uh, Marco. But uh, perhaps I should, uh, and I hope perhaps you will have thought better of it or disavow this, but uh, you once, and actually more than once, said to me that, hey, if you could get a woman to work, to do the same work for less, hey, you know, you'd hire the woman because you'd have to pay her less and she'd earn less. And then when I objected to that, you said something to the effect that, well, that would in fact redound adversely on men because then men wouldn't get the jobs and women who could be exploited by being paid less, they would get the job. So everything is just wonderful. What, what's your point? Except, I do... except for men, but it's especially I... good for women who get a job. I um I remember that discussion many years ago, but I'm not sure what your point is today with that. We've been talking about disparities at the upper level, and uh, there are disparities which persist. I hope to a lesser extent than they once did, but I don't know. Not, not much different. Well, there you go. 
Well, we are digressing, and I do want to cover that subject. Uh, but can I can I just jump back? Let me make a note of that. Actually, I have pen and paper about the women. I mean, you know, that's comparable to exploiting third world countries. Hey, you know what? You have a choice. You can starve almost starve and you know we'll pay you you know 10 cents uh, an hour so that wealthier countries can enjoy the products of your sweatshop labor but hey you know 10 cents an hour is better than nothing all right so i I love those points fred and i want to get back to them but if it and i made notes but could i could i get us back to one or two of the things we were talking about and then jump to that is that okay well, it's approaching an hour, actually, so I don't know that we should cover everything today. You know, and if we don't, I made notes for, for the next podcast. But I did want to point out when we were talk, talking about intergenerational wealth, uh, <clears throat> do you know what the estate tax rate is? I'm sorry, the what tax rate? The estate tax, the federal estate tax rate. Uh, well, I, I think there's a large exclusion now, or maybe now is is there a complete yep. exclusion to yep. inheritance? But it yeah, used to be six hundred thousand or something. Oh no, that's many years ago. It, yeah, it many years ago. To, it jumped up to eleven to twelve million per spouse, but it's it's scheduled to what they call sunset to half that uh, in tw- at the beginning of twenty twenty six. So, in I guess what is it less than four years? It's going to be back to a total of about eleven or twelve million. But beyond that exclusion, do you know what the tax rate? Is? And because we're talking about super wealthy people, hundreds of millions, billions. So the as much as as eleven million may sound like a lot in the grand scheme of the super wealthy, it isn't. But do you know what the tax rate is? Right. So they hire lawyers to sneak around it, to circumvent it, maybe to set up a trust or to uh, change the name that the, you know, the name of ownership of the funds or the companies, whatever it is. So I, I don't know. And I am curious what the nominal rate is. I, I agree with Fred. There are ways that people can manipulate the system, but I am interested it's, I don't know what the nominal what, rate is. Is it 48% or something? 40. 40? Uh-huh. And to me, that's very high. Yeah, you, if anyone pays it, it's very high. Although well, still, there, that, are, there are tricks to, to lower, to get more bang for your buck on the exclusion, but there are limits to what you can do. So... Uh, I think the relevant question would be the effective rate. What what does the typical hundred millionaire pay mm. when when they die and their estate passes to their their heirs? Right. And those so-called tricks are not there by accident. They're there by design to benefit those who already well, have the greatest benefits from society. You know, Fred, the way the system is set up, it's they make a law and then they- the lawyers snoop around with a magnifying glass looking at the <laughs> cranny of the law and where can they find a way to bypass it legally. So it's a little bit of a cat and mouse game there. Uh, but again, I ask you to put the word legally in quotation marks. Legally is what is set up to, you, you know, there's, there's a line in, uh, uh, What's his first name? That Polish author who wrote in English, uh, "Heart of Darkness." Uh, Conrad. What is it? Joseph Conrad. 
Yeah, Joseph Conrad, you know, that talks about how Africans with, quote, all the legality of time contracts and so on are, you know, led into essentially bondage where they don't fare well, they have different kinds of foods and they don't have proper nutrition. But, oh, it is the law. Yes, we so, you know, the law is what the people who make the laws want the laws to be. Well, the fact is that the estate tax rate is 40 percent, and I think that's pretty hefty. And yes, there are some tips and tricks to get around and get a bigger bigger bang for your buck on the exclusion. But nevertheless, that is. And Donna, I don't know the typical effective tax rate because that is the thing to look for. And if I remember- That that is the thing to look for. That's the important thing. uh, If I remember, I'll see if I can find anything on that for for next time. Um, And as far as tax loopholes are concerned, it's- it's definitely a gray area, Fred, because most tax laws are are put into place when there was some logic behind it. Simple examples are give a guy a deduction if he, if he makes a contribution to charity. Give someone a deduction for their mortgage interest to help them buy a house. You know, those, those give, are the biggest... Give someone a deduction if they pay higher... Uh, legislators to make special provisions for an oil depletion tax or anything, anything else in real estate or, uh, you know, exploration for uh, oil or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I have not read, it's not hard to do, but I have not read all the possible, as you say, loopholes uh, that are designed specifically to uh, benefit certain people, certain companies, certain areas, uh, and not others. So, yeah, sure. Agreed. But the vast, vast majority of the laws apply to everybody and they they have some logic behind them. Unless you're rich enough to buy special exclusions, then you get special treatment by special tax treatment. It could happen, Fred, but I I don't think that I, I. Yes. There's, you do pay these uh, lobbyists a lot of money and, and they do try to get tax laws tweaked in the favor of, of the people who pay them. So I think that's problematic. I do agree with you on that. But I do think that as a whole, uh, the tax laws are geared to promote what's best for society in the, in the eyes of the legislatures who, legislators who make the law. Um, and do, you, do you think those legislators are actually representative of the populace? Or do you think that they are, as I said before, probably in almost all cases independently wealthy and certainly in all cases become uh, affluent in terms of the legalized bribery called campaign contributions? It's probably a, a healthy dose of both because they do have to get reelected by the general public. That's another issue. Uh, th- there are certainly, in many cases, legislation that does not benefit the general public. Um, I mean, take a look at the what the Supreme Court is on the verge of doing, uh, but it gets done anyway. And I don't remember the exact statistics about the percentage. It's vast, vast of exist uh, of incumbents who get reelected time after time. 
either because of the ignorance of the, uh, of the electorate or their laziness or their hopelessness or the fact that the two dominant parties, and they don't allow any other parties in effect, uh, to, you know, they put up, you know, how, how often do you hear the expression, you know, I voted for the lesser of two evils? Well, guess what? The lesser of two evils can be evil enough. Well, I don't hear that expression that often, number one. And number two, if it's the ignorance or the laziness of the electorate, well, you said it right there. They, if they don't care, they don't care. Or they feel beaten down, hopeless about having the ability to implement any change, to effectuate, to effectuate change. Or they're just lazy and they don't care. Or life is so hard for them that it's not the top topic for them to spend their mental energy on. But go, somebody explain to me how Joe Manchin keeps getting elected. I don't think that the people of West Virginia are stupid or lazy. Well, do you think that they stuff the ballot boxes like Trump suggested? No, I think that they are either so beaten down that they don't bother to vote because they don't think it's going to make a difference. I had another point. Or, or yeah. they don't bother to vote because they're lazy and disinterested. So, you know, I, and, and they're not beaten down. I don't know that it, it, down you know, it, with voting. It, on several occasions in the past, I've tried to ascertain, to, to get a list of uh, bills that have come up before a city council, before the federal Congress, before a state Senate, before a state assembly, uh, before Congress, uh, to find out what the issues were, to find out what the bills were, and to see who voted how. Um, I have not been successful. Maybe someone else might be more successful than I am, but I have not been able to find out how my or other legislatures are voting on my supposed behalf. And it's usually not. I don't agree that it's usually not. And I think well, for me, records, it's not. For me, I think public records like that are, are not difficult to obtain. I, I've never tried to obtain it, but I can't imagine that it is. Donna? I don't think it's very difficult to find out how, for instance, Congress or, you know, the House or the Senate votes on something. It's not difficult. By, indi by individual members, I'm talking about. Right. Not yeah. No, I know. By individual members. It's not hard to get a roll call. I mm -hmm. think that's a matter of public record. and It's not hard to find out. Well, it's a matter of nominal public record, but I really question how actually available it is to the general public. Okay. okay. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's difficult, but, you know, I, I think we're going to... I've never tried, so I, I can't comment any further. For Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Midnight Triangle. If you enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to tell your friends about it. If we got you all upset and you need to email us, go ahead. The Midnight Triangle at gmail.com. See you next time.